Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, so we're going to look at the Word together this morning, and I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures. So if you're taking notes, you can jot down the reference, but you probably won't have time to flip to each one. We are going to land at the end at a passage in Philippians that I will ask you to turn to because we'll look in depth there. Um, but I'm going to just, I'll read the scriptures to you as we go through them. Uh, but this morning, what's been on my heart to share for the past few weeks is about purpose. And so we're just going to look at uh, the theme of purpose in scripture. And um, I just want to say to us this morning, I, many of you already know this. Um, maybe some of you need to be reminded um, maybe some of you don't even believe this, but I want to just say to us this morning that you have a purpose. You, as an individual, you have a purpose. There is a reason that you are here. There's a reason that you live in this time period. There's a reason that you live in this city. There's a reason that you are here in this church this morning. You have a purpose, and none of these things are by accident. God is with you. He is working in your life, through your life. Um, and I just want to lift our eyes this morning by the grace of God, by his spirit. I, I'm going to rely on his word. I'm not going to lift our eyes. I'm going to rely on his word to lift our eyes this morning to his purpose for each one of us. So purpose is that, it's that sense that we all carry. You know that thing on the inside of you? Maybe sometimes we don't feel it. Maybe some days we don't feel it, but every now and then you, you have that sense on the inside of you. It's like an inner knowing that there's something greater for me. There's something beyond what I'm experiencing right now. There's something more that I'm supposed to walk in. Have you guys felt that before? I think every human feels that at some point. And I, I, this is what I believe that is. Isaiah 57, 15 uh, says that God is the one who inhabits eternity. I want you to think about that for a moment. God, the God we worship, Jesus, who we were just singing about, the Father and the Holy Spirit, they inhabit eternity. So you could say right now we're inhabiting this room. We are physically in this room. Where is God? He fills up all of eternity. He fills up all of time, every time that's past time, that will never end. That's how big he is. He's limitless. He's, you can't measure how big our God is. And then in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that he, God, has planted eternity in the human heart. And so what I believe purpose is, is that seed that God has placed inside of us that we know we're a part of something way bigger than me. I might be here on this earth for however many years. I might have to live in this physical body and be limited in what I can do physically, but there's something on the inside of me that knows I'm supposed to be a part of something that is way bigger than I am, way bigger than I could ever understand, and that's that seed of God that he puts inside every human heart. He has put eternity in our hearts. Purpose is defined in the dictionary as the reason for which something was created. So the car was created so that we could get from one place to the next. 
Well, each one of us has a creator. And it wasn't just by chance. It wasn't just by accident. There is a reason that you were created, and that's what purpose is. So by its very definition, I mean, what I just read to you is from the Webster uh, Dictionary, the reason for which something was created. So by the very definition, if I'm going to walk in purpose, first I have to acknowledge that I am not the author of my life. The reason for which something was created, that's purpose. So that means if I'm going to walk in purpose, I have to acknowledge that I was created, that I'm not the creator. And that purpose does not come from the created. That car doesn't tell itself where to go. The, the engineers who designed that car designed it so that you can tell it where to go. God has created you. He is the engineer. He is the one that has designed your purpose. So my purpose doesn't actually come from me. And you know what? That, that actually takes a lot of pressure off of me. There's so much freedom and liberty in that for me just to realize that all I need to do is know him and then step into what he has created me for. I don't have to force anything. I don't have to be anything that I'm not. I don't have to figure it out on my own. I just need to know my creator, and he has that purpose for me as I walk with him. So God not only has a purpose for you, but I also want to say to us this morning that God has called you. God has called each one of us, and he has given each one of us specific gifts. So if purpose is that thing that we all experience, that every human heart has, I believe calling is that thing that's unique to you. Not everybody's like Mickey. Not everybody's like Jeffrey. Not everybody's like Bob. They've got different gifts different abilities, different interests. So the calling is something that is unique, but we all have a calling. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore, I, a prisoner, I, a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you, this is um, Paul speaking, he said, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Each one of us has been called by God. By definition, if you look it up in the dictionary, a calling is a strong inner impulse towards a particular course of action. So I believe every person has this knowing that I'm supposed to be part of something bigger. That's purpose. But the calling is that strong inner impulse toward something. Like, you know how maybe you lean toward artistic things. You're drawn toward that. Or you lean toward numbers or you lean toward working with people, or you're drawn toward a particular interest, that is not by chance, let me tell you. And I think people walk around thinking, oh, you know, I just, I'm just that way, and, and I'm going to develop that thing and get good at it or whatever. Uh, but that is from God. That is a calling from God. A calling is also defined as to urgently invite someone to accept responsibility for a particular task. So if, if, you, if I needed Mickey to come in here and help me with something, I would call to him, Mickey, that's what your calling is. It's God saying, Kalina, I have something I need you to do. He's literally calling to us. So the calling is that impulse you feel, but the calling, that impulse you feel is in response to God calling you. 
but I think so many people walk around and not they don't know that. They feel that urge. It's like a magnet, right? You're drawn toward the arts or you're drawn toward people, but you don't realize that magnet pull is God calling you. That's your calling, that God is reaching out with you and he's asking you to urgently accept responsibility for a particular task. Isn't that awesome? Our calling is in response to God. He initiates it, and it's in response to him. And then, and then within your calling, he gives you tools. He gives you what you need to do that particular course of action. And th- those tools are your gifts that God has uniquely given each one of us. None of us are the same. He equips us to do the calling that he has for us. 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So some of those gifts are natural gifts that we're born with. Some of those gifts are divine gifts that God gives to us when we meet him and when we have fellowship with him, that he imparts skills to us that we didn't have before to do a particular task. But however those gifts come, naturally or spiritually, that's God's equipping to do the calling. So you guys getting that picture? There's the big purpose that we all fit into. We're going to talk more about what that purpose is. But then there's also the unique individual calling that God is calling out to each one of us with a task for us to do. And he's given us gifts to do those things. So how do we know what we're called to do? I believe that desire is one of the greatest indications of calling. And again, I think people walk around, we walk around thinking that we have these random desires. No, God put those desires in you when he created you. He he caused you to feel what you feel and think what you think and desire the things that you desire. He put those things there for a reason. God places desires in our hearts and the word tells us that in Psalm 37, four. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I think a lot of people, a lot of times we misquote that. A lot of times we say, well, if I do what God wants me to do, and if I follow after God, then he's going to give me what I want. I really believe that what this is saying is that when we learn to delight in God, when we learn to worship him, we learn to worship him, we learn to love him, we learn to cause him to be our focus, not all these other things that we think we want, then he gives us desires in our hearts. He gives us desires that he wants to fulfill. So as I walk with Jesus and love him and know him, he works in my heart and he causes me to desire the the good things that he has for me. He causes me to desire to do his will and to walk in his calling. But that comes from delighting in the Lord. So the dreams, I really believe that you stop any random person on the street, whether they know Jesus or not, I I really do believe that if you boil their dreams down to their purest form, most of the time I believe those dreams actually came from God. That those are things that God planted in them when he created them, when he formed them. So those things, they come from God. They're not, they're not originated by the created. They come from the creator. But many people live in disappointment and frustration, right? So many people do. People live frustrated. People live disappointed. People live unfulfilled often and don't walk in their God-given calling many times. Or maybe they walk in a measure of it. 
And, and I want to think about why that, why does that happen? So we've been here in Detroit five years now. Before that, my family, we were living in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we were there for eight years, and we led a church there. And before that, we were living in Georgia, and Paul and I were part of a team that led a church there. And so I just said all that to say we've lived in different places. We've met a lot of different kind of people, a lot of different uh, groups of people, different socioeconomic groups, different backgrounds, different ages. And one thing that I see often that's in common everywhere is that people get frustrated when they try to fit their gifts and their vocation into their purpose rather than God's purpose. And what, what begins to happen is this frustration that I know I'm gifted, I know I have these tools, I know I have these desires, and so I'm going to go this direction. And it's like they're striving against what God has, the context that God has put their lives in, and that creates a frustration. It creates a, uh, a sense of not being fulfilled because they're trying to operate outside of the context that God has set their lives in. Our purpose finds its full expression when it's in, or our calling, actually, is what I should say. Our calling, our individual calling, finds its full expression when it's set in the context of God's purposes. So what might cause me to not walk in God's purposes or my calling? I think fear is a big thing. I think that we, we are afraid of what God's asking us to do. We're afraid to say, yes, God, I will use my gifts and my vocation for what you're asking me to do. We, we hold on to those things. We're fearful. We think that it's not going to be good for us or something like that. Um, I think that greed often is something that causes people to not yield their calling and, and their gifts to God. I, we have the tendency to think if I use my gifts in this way, in this particular way, I can make more money than what God's asking me to do. That might not even be true, but we think that. We think we know better right? So we hold on to those things. Um, or I might look better, our reputation. I'll look better if I go down this route rather than what God is asking me to do, what God is calling me for. Um, and I think also one of the reasons that we don't walk in what God has for us is that we try to do it alone. We try to take it on, on ourselves, and we try to make it happen where God has called each of us to live in community, we find how we work best as we work together. And when I try to do it on my own, I just get frustrated and I get stuck. And I need people around me to say, here, let me lift you here and here, try it this way. And I need people to help me see the things in my heart like pride or, um, or what's another good example? Something that, that would keep me from being able to take that next step being blind to something that I don't see. just need somebody to share something with me that maybe I don't see. That's the family of God that God puts around each one of us, and he sets our lives in local church. He, we are individuals, yes. We have an individual relationship with him. We have an individual calling, but he sets that in local church, and that's the purpose that we live in, and then it all makes sense. It's like, okay, now I see how my gifts fit in to this bigger picture. Uh, scripture talks about being planted in the house of God, and Scripture uses the analogy of trees that are planted, that when we're planted in God's house, we flourish. We're always green. We grow, but we stunt our growth when we are not planted. 
If something's not planted, it can't grow. And that's true for our lives. It's true for our callings. It's true for our vocations. Every part of our lives grows when we plant ourselves. And when I allow my life to fit within that bigger context, what happens is my motivations get purified. My gifts are made more useful. But I have to allow myself to be planted. So as I mentioned, you know, I think sometimes we're fearful. When we say yes to God, when we respond to what we sense he's asking us to do in our calling, are we blessed personally? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is personal blessing in saying yes to God. But, you know, I think our, our, our society has this um, mantra to say that I always look out for number one. Me first. Is it good for me? Number one. I have to look out for number one first. But God, I just want to, I want to say to us that we don't have to worry about those things. You don't have to decide, am I going to choose the right thing for me or am I going to respond to God? Because when you say yes to God, it is always the right thing for you. God knows what I need so much better than I know myself. You don't ever have to be afraid that in saying yes to God, that you're doing something bad for you. God will never ask you to do something that is not good for you. Is it going to cost you? Yes. <laughs> is it going to be difficult? Probably. But it's good, and it leads you into more because he is good, and he only has good for you. You don't have to worry about saying yes to God and what that means for your children. You don't ever have to worry about that because God's not going to ask you to do something that's harmful for your children. We can trust him. So we can lay our fear aside. We can lay our greed aside, thinking that we know better, that we can do better if we do it ourselves. No, we can trust him because he only has good things for us. You, can, you might ask the question, will saying yes to God fulfill me on the deepest level? I honestly can't think of anything more fulfilling than walking in the reason that I was created. Again, that's what purpose is, the reason that something was created. I can't think of anything more fulfilling. If I try to use my scissors to hammer in a nail, it just doesn't work. But if I use my scissors to cut a piece of paper, that's fulfilling. It's like, yeah, that works. Well, that's how it is with us. When we submit to what God has for us, it just works. And we realize this is what I was created for, not this other thing that I've been trying to make happen. So because our callings are to be set within the context of God's purposes, that really is how God's promises are fulfilled in our lives. You know, and I think we, as Christians, a lot of times we quote promises, we quote scriptures over our lives, you know, like pick, we just pick one out of the Bible and we quote it and we, we pray it. But did you know that God's promises are for his purposes? So really God's promises only work when we are living in his purposes. When I'm saying yes to God, responding to him, walking in his purposes, it's in that context that I can quote scripture and pray scripture over my life and see the promises of God fulfilled in my life. The word tells us this. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails that we can try to strive against what God is doing and try to say, no, I'm blessed. No, I, 
I can, I can, if I can conceive it, I, if I can believe it, I can conceive it, if I, I can make it happen, you know, we say all these things, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails in my life, and that's where his promises work. He's committed to his promises, and he's committed to you because he loves you, but he's committed to his purposes for you. That's what he's committed to, his good things for you, because that is what's good for you. He's not committed to our plans for us. He's committed to his plans for us. So that is what we can trust him for. That's where his promises work. So we need to make sure that what we're asking for, what we're praying, what we're quoting, what we're, you know, confessing, is that God's plan for me? Then I can believe it with all my heart and trust God in faith for those things. I want to encourage us that calling is not just, like, what you're called to do in church. Calling, responding to the call of God doesn't just mean, well, are, am I called to preach, or am I called to lead a church, or am I called to lead worship? Those are callings, sure, but your calling is so much more than that. Wherever you are, whatever you do as a job, if you're following after God, and if you believe that you're in the will of God, then God has placed you there, right where you are, and he's given you um, your gifts and your talents to work in that place for a purpose. What is the purpose? It's not just to make a meal if you're working in a restaurant. It's not just to work on the numbers if you're an accountant. It's not just to sell a house if you're a real estate agent. It's so much more than the job description. God has put you there to bring his kingdom into that place. The kingdom of God into that place. To show his love in that place. To bring his goodness where there might be corruption. He has set you there for those reasons. To show people who he is. There are people that we encounter in the workplace that will never come to church, or at least the current state of mind they're in, they're not going to walk in here on a Sunday morning. So God takes you to them to show them what he looks like, to show them how he feels. That is your purpose on that job. Most people, um, I think, don't, don't realize that, and that's why we get bored in our jobs. That's why we get frustrated in our jobs. That's why we're like, I just can't do this anymore, you know, because we've lost sight of purpose. We've lost sight of the bigger picture. In a way, it almost doesn't matter what I do every day. As long as I'm walking with Jesus and using the gifts that he's given me, as long as I am wherever I find myself wanting to bring his kingdom, that I'm living within his purpose and I'm allowing his, um, that my gifts and my calling to be used within that context. So as followers of Jesus, that is our primary calling, to bring his kingdom. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. So God will send you into specific places. That go and make disciples does not only mean go and plant churches. Yes, it means that, but it also means go into your workplace and make disciples. And how do you make a disciple? You get to know the person. You share little by little about the love of God, and God has a plan for you. you uh, making a disciple is helping someone to follow Jesus. That's all it is, whether they believe yet or not. So as you go into your workplace, you are going with that mandate from Jesus. Go and make disciples. God will send you into specific places where you have interest and he'll give you specific gifts and abilities so that you can touch lives. As lives are helped, you know, as Sharon works in the vet's office and helps 
helps take care of animals and people's lives are touched by that because they love their animals, their hearts are opened, right? And she can bring love into those people's lives. She can show them what God is like as she does a good job. So don't think little of the task that you do every day. Maybe you plant a seed. Maybe the work that you do, uh, that you do opens the door for someone to come behind you and bring more of God's kingdom. So it gives this greater purpose to all the work that we do. Jesus also said in Mark 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, or some translations say to every creature. And I think people wonder, what does that mean? Am I supposed to preach to the dogs and the cats and the but that word creation, if you study it in the Greek there, that word creation actually means go into all the world and preach the gospel into every institution that man has created. Every place that man has created, go into those buildings, into those ordinances, every way in which humans organize themselves, go. Find entrance into the clubs, find entrance into the, the book clubs, into the walking groups, into the uh, museums, into the workplaces, go into all those places, the schools, and bring the gospel. Bring the kingdom of God because it's inside of you. That is your purpose as you go. So I do want to turn to Philippians 3 now. If you do have your Bible or your Bible app, you can turn there with me because I want to read a big portion of Philippians 3. And this is where the Apostle Paul talks about purpose and calling and his life in the light of purpose and calling. Philippians 3, and I want to start partway through verse 3. He says, We rely on, Christ, on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And then what he does here is he lists, like, all of his qualifications. That's what he starts listing. Verse 5 says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. So you have to remember the time period he's referring to was before he followed Christ. He was a Pharisee, and he was like the best of the best with the Pharisees. He was so good that he even persecuted the Christians. So that was seen as a good thing in the circles where he was. He's talking about before he decided to follow Christ. So it was like if you could pin the best degree on Paul, he would get like the best degree. He'd get all the stars on his chart. He'd get all the awards because he did all the things, and he had all the training, and he was just the best of the best. He performed. He did all the things he was supposed to do. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He did everything he was supposed to do. But then verse 7 says, I once thought these things were valuable. You could fill in the blank. I once thought my degree was valuable. I once thought my achievements were valuable. I once thought all the money I made was valuable. I once thought that all the good, righteous things I've done are valuable. And he's not really saying that none of it isn't valuable, but he's saying compared to what I'm going to talk about next, they're not valuable. And he goes on to say, but now I consider them worthless 
because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared. So he's not saying your, your degree isn't, is worthless, but in comparison to what Jesus has done, it is worthless when you compare it with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So I want to skip to verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I want you to imagine a runner in a race. He's not there yet. He's saying, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm pressing on. I'm pushing through the pain. I'm pushing through the difficulty to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So I asked Paul to help me with the illustration because I feel like Sometimes we get tripped up on that verse to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me because you kind of have to do mental gymnastics to imagine it. So, Peter, would you mind helping us with this? I need you to hold the mic for me for this illustration. So Paul says, I'm going to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. So in this illustration, Paul, I mean, Peter, will you stand over here? You're going to hold the mic for me, please. In this illustration, Paul is Jesus, Okay. And Jesus has taken hold of my life. So he's taken hold of me. He saved me. He bought me with his blood. He's forgiven me. He's made my life new. He has set me in his church. He has taken hold of me, right? That's what Jesus has done for each one of us. But Paul the Apostle says, I want to take hold of that for which Jesus has taken hold of me. So there's a response necessary from the Apostle Paul and for each one of us, that I got to take hold of something now. And so I'm going to take hold of Jesus. I'm going to say, Lord, I now take hold of you. I take hold of everything that you have for me. First, we take hold of our relationship with him. We make it everything in our lives. We make the pursuit of knowing him, which is what Paul's going to say next, everything. And in that place of knowing Jesus, he takes hold of us, we take hold of him, and in taking hold of Jesus, we also take hold of the gifts and the callings that he has for us and the purpose that he has for each one of our lives. Okay, you guys got that? So Jesus takes hold of us. We take hold of him. And um, let me get down to the next verse. Verse 13. Let's go down to verse 13. Um, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So, so earlier in that passage, if you go back up to verse 8, Paul says everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus, my Lord. I've discarded everything else that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So that is how Paul is finding his calling. He's finding it in that picture we just did with Jesus, knowing Jesus. If I want to know what my calling is, if I want to be able to grab hold of my calling, I have to grab hold of Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Jesus is everything. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the object. He is what I'm pressing into. He is what I'm running for. He is the prize. 
He is everything that we are reaching for. And as I reach for Jesus, as I receive him daily, as I focus on him, as I keep my eyes on him, as I have fellowship with him in that place of intimacy with Jesus, he gives me my calling. He calls out to me. He gives me my gifts. There's that that exchange there that I also grab hold of. I'm not grabbing hold of something to, to like achieve for God or to do the right thing to make God happy. No, it's in that place of fellowship with Jesus that we experience our calling and he gives us our gifts in that place of intimacy. Second Peter 1.10 says, be eager to make your calling sure. Be eager to make your calling sure. Be eager to do the work that you're specifically called to do is what that means. Make your calling sure. Make it known to you. Uh, that, that word eager means be ready to expend energy and effort. And I think sometimes we just want to stay there in that clo- cozy little space with Jesus. But in that space with Jesus, he's doing this exchange with us. And he's like, I've got things for you. I've got things for you to do. I've got gifts that I'm giving you to use. Will you go and do and be, like Mickey shared with us this morning, will you go and be me to people? Will you go and give them what I'm giving to you in this moment of fellowship with me? So that word eager, be ready to expend energy and effort. Be devoted to the work. Be devoted to the work that Jesus gives us to do. I want to say to us this morning that we are the only ones who can take ourselves out of the will of God. No one can take that from you. No one can snatch you. Um, Romans 11:29 says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. They're irrevocable. Maybe we've allowed them to sit dormant. Maybe we haven't been using them. Maybe we haven't been diligent. But you know what? God doesn't take them away. Isn't that amazing? They don't get taken away from us. Maybe we even abuse what God's given us. Maybe we even use it for our own gain. But they're still there. And at any moment, we can turn back to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to use what you've given me for your purposes. And we can step right back into that race with Jesus. We can step right back into that intimacy with Jesus and say, Lord, what do you have in mind? What's your purpose for me? What are you calling out to me? How can I respond to what I sense God calling me to do? Get back in the race. Maybe if you haven't been using what God has given you, the desires you have, the abilities you have, uh, the focus that God's given you, the way you see life, get back in the race this morning and respond to God and press on and give yourself, be eager to do the work that you're called to do. Be eager to go into the places where you are working to bring the kingdom of God. Expend the energy and the effort and be devoted to the work that he's given us to do. Whether that work is a very specific thing, like God's called us in this season to plant a church that's a very specific work or whether the work is more general that I'm working like Paul could say he's working in real estate and part of the reason is to fund so that our family can live and do the work of planting a church but it's more than that it's also to bring the kingdom into every situation that he encounters so it's that general and it's specific we should be eager to do work for God's purposes and then the very last verse In that Philippians passage that we're looking at, not the last verse, but the last verse I want to read, verse 15 says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Hmm. Let all who are spiritually mature 
agree on these things. I think a lot of times, um, if we're immature spiritually, we're going to be trying to use the scripture or, you know, use what God's given us for our own gain. But a, a sign of maturity is these things. What do we pull from that, from this passage? If we're spiritually mature, then I don't have confidence in my own efforts, qualifications, or achievements. That's not what I'm leaning on. If you're spiritually mature, the most valuable thing to me is knowing Jesus. If you're spiritually mature, I know that my purpose is found in knowing Jesus. If you're spiritually mature, I know there is a calling for me, and my unique abilities and gifts fit into that calling. And if you're spiritually mature, then I know that my focus should be on Jesus and the work that he's called me to do, which is always about others. It's always about bringing his kingdom to others. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. I think we can agree on these things this morning. And you might think, I'm not spiritually mature. Well, you know what? We can agree on these things, and saying yes to those things matures you. When I say yes to those things, then I grow in spiritual maturity. It's like maybe I've been over in this lane, and I just need to say, yep, I agree with what the Word says there. I'm going to mature. I'm going to use my gifts for what God's purpose is. I'm going to allow, I'm going to respond to that call. Maybe I've been ignoring it. Maybe I've been afraid to say yes to God. I'm going to respond to him, and you will grow spiritually. You become more spiritually mature so that you can do more and step into more that God has for you. You know, I think that's one of the, re this focus on Jesus and, and finding our purpose out of relationship with him. It's not like it's not like we meet God and then he gives us this list of things that we have to go do. No, we, we respond to him in relationship with him. And from that place, we fulfill his calling and his purpose for our lives. And that's one of the reasons here at Border City Church that we love to sing songs about Jesus. You know, I think a lot of times it's very popular right now, even in Christian music, to sing songs about me. Next time you listen to a Christian song on the radio or wherever you are, ask yourself the question, is this song more about me or is it about Jesus? Is this song about the way I feel and my life and, you know, or is it about Jesus? And that's one of the reasons we love to focus on Jesus because we know that as we focus on him, everything else gets taken care of. He pulls our lives into his purposes and yes, he blesses us and yes, he heals us and yes, he takes care of us as we focus on him. So that's so important even in walking in your calling. There is no end to what we can uncover as we simply focus on Jesus and then allow him to lead us to minister to people. There's no end to the excitement of that. There's no end to the possibility because Jesus is limitless.